Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew, and I'm the lead pastor, and we're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. If this is your first time joining us, hey, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm new. If you fill out that short form online for us as a way of saying thanks, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed right there. We are starting a new teaching series this month called Wounded, and we kicked it off last week. We're putting the sacrifice, specifically the blood that Jesus shed for us, into focus into this series, and we're learning how Christ was wounded to set us free. And we learned last week that Jesus was wounded for our peace. Only Christ can bring lasting peace, both as individuals and as a community of other people, to our world, right? And so each week, what we're going to do is we're going to start off with a look at Isaiah 53. And so Isaiah had no idea when he spoke these words we're about to read that they were all about Jesus. In fact, he actually ministered about 700 years before Christ was even born. But theologians all agree that Isaiah 53 is without a doubt a prophetic look into the suffering that Christ would endure and what that suffering would result in. So there's a reason this passage is sometimes called the suffering servant. So Isaiah 53, verse number four, and we're going to read this. Surely he took up our pain and he bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities and the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And check this out. By his wounds, we are healed. Jesus was wounded so you could be free, and he was wounded so you could be healed today. So last week, we, we left him in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's under so much agony and so much stress about what's going to lie ahead. You know, the suffering, the beating, the trials, the crucifixion, the separation from God. He's literally sweating blood. And, and he's looking for another way out, right? Looking for another way to pull this off. But God doesn't budge. This, this is it. Like, this is the only way to save humanity and bridge that gap that existed between God and man as a result of Adam and Eve's sin. So Jesus doesn't actually run. He entrenches himself into a commitment to follow God's will, even to the point of death. When he's finished praying, he goes back to check on some of his disciples who were supposed to be praying with him, but they got a little tired. <laughs> all right, they, they fell asleep. I would imagine uh, that he felt all alone at that site. You know, he's, he's already got to do this by himself, <laughs> which is hard enough. And this is supposed to be the easy part. It's only going to get harder from here. In fact, Judas, one of the disciples who agreed to betray him to the Jewish leadership, he comes running around on up with a group of soldiers to arrest him. And so, so now the, the, the suffering begins, right? They arrest Jesus, and what ensues from about 9 o'clock that night through mid-morning on Friday is going to be a plethora of nonstop trials. Whew, five to be exact. Two of them are going to be civil trials where Christ will appear before the Roman governor Pilate. Another one's going to be when he appears before another official named Herod. Now, Pilate oversees most of Israel, but he doesn't have jurisdiction over Galilee, where Christ is from. That actually belongs to Herod. So the reason that Pilate's going to send Christ to Herod later on is because he's hoping he can find another way out of this. He actually doesn't want to deal with all this stuff. Think of it like the federal government saying, 
you know what, this is a local matter. We don't want to deal with it. The county, the state, they got jurisdiction, they'll decide it. Think of it like that, okay? So the three trials will be strictly religious before the Sanhedrin. So you have five, two are civil, three are religious, okay? And the priests in Christ's day, they operated kind of like politicians in a way. <laughs> they actually had parties, uh, kind of like how we have parties in our world right now. Uh, they had the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the Essenes, and they made up the Sanhedrin, which was the governing body uh, over all of Jerusalem. So the reason for those trials in, in front of the Sanhedrin is because the Jewish leadership wants to produce a death sentence for Christ. They, the, the problem they have is they can't execute anybody. Only the Roman government can give the order for execution. So the first two trials that happened overnight are really attempts by the leadership to establish enough credibility to their claim that Christ should be crucified. So when the third like, official trial happens, the first two really aren't legit. So when the third trial happens that's official that Friday morning, they got their act together. They think they can produce enough evidence to send Christ to the pilot so he can be executed. And of course, what happens is all these trials culminate in Jesus being sentenced to die by crucifixion, which is the worst way to die under Roman law. So if all of this is new for you today, all right, and I kind of went through some stuff pretty quickly there, you might be wondering, why was Jesus sentenced to die that way? Well, could they just kill him some other way? And the answer to give you uh, simply could be straight from Scripture. We read that Christ is going to be pierced for our sins uh, in Isaiah. We read in Psalms that they've pierced my hands and my feet, Psalms 22, 16. There's all kinds of Old Testament references that point to the Savior dying through crucifixion. I could do that for you. But really, how it played out is more complicated. So I'm going to connect the dots if I can. Executions could only be carried out by the Roman government. The preferred method was crucifixion. Pilate doesn't actually see anything wrong with Jesus. He actually sees just a religious conflict at play. But the problem is he is so terrified of another rebellion happening in Judea that he, he kind of gives in. And the reason is the Romans operate under something called the Pax Romana, which is Latin for Roman peace. Their objective was to keep the peace at all costs. If rebellions kept cropping up, like they did in Israel, the people were not at fault. The governors were. The governors, if they failed to keep peace, they would actually lose their heads. So Pilate's literally saving his own head here by giving in. He does that when he sees the crowds being stirred up by the leadership and he, and he fears a rebellion. And so they, they demand that Christ die. And what happens in Matthew, Matthew records it pretty well, Matthew 27, uh, what happens is Pilate symbolically washes his hands, okay? saying it's not my responsibility. The Jewish people shout back, oh, we'll take it, we'll take responsibility for him, you know? And so he sentenced to die through crucifixion in that manner. And so all those Old Testament references come back right into check right here and actually come to fruition. Now, before somebody was crucified, they would go through a grueling round of torture, which involved being scourged with whips. And the Romans didn't use leather straps. It might make for a nice Easter play prop, okay? But but the Romans were masters of torture, and they infused bone and lead balls and even hooks into leather straps made of, you know, into their whips. And the idea was that with each lashing and, you know, chunks of skin would come flying out and muscle and tendons would be ripped. It was a horrific beating. Most people didn't even survive it. Um, it's likely, I'm sure, that Christ was unrecognizable when it was done. You would have seen his rib cage, spinal cord. There had been flesh hanging like ribbons from his body. It was, you know, blood all over the place. It was a gruesome, gruesome, gruesome thing to go through and incredibly painful. And it was all for you. It was all for me. Why? So, so we could be free. So as Isaiah says earlier, we could be healed as well. 
See, Isaiah points out that Jesus' sacrifice would be for our sins and for our healing because really the two go hand in hand. As much as God wants to set you free from sin, He wants to bring healing to your life, man. Healing physically and mentally and emotionally and spiritually. We learn in the first teaching that God's ideal state of being, a state of holy perfection as He intends, is something called shalom. So it makes sense then, right? I mean, if, if, if things are to be as God intended in the perfect state, not only does forgiveness for sins have to be offered, but so does healing for our bodies in our minds and our hearts so that we are complete and in a perfected state that God intended. But if that's true, why doesn't God heal all the time? Oh, that's a good question, right? Many people struggle with this tension. They know that God can heal. They, they, they've seen God heal. So why doesn't he do it all the time? Is it, is it a faith thing that God doesn't do it? Um, is it? Is it God just not being exactly who he says he is? Like, what's the deal here? And I think for starters, those of us in the West, and in particular like American culture, okay, we do not have a good concept of suffering. Let's just be real for a moment. We, we, we don't. We live in a almost like a state of denial about it. It's one of those things where we acknowledge it exists, but it doesn't affect us. We might say something philosophical and faith-driven at a funeral or when someone passes away, but we don't really treat, you know, death and suffering as reality. You know, it, we just kind of deny <laughs> that, they, that they're really impacting us. And because we live in a society that's truly blessed and we have comforts that most of the world can only dream of, we feel less equipped to handle suffering and loss when it comes our way. In fact, I think we're more traumatized by it than anybody else in the world is. So what this tends to lead us to is to conclude this, all right? Stay with me here. We are suffering physically, emotionally, and mentally, and, and, and we turn to God for healing. And we think that we should receive that healing right away, instantaneously, or at some other point in this life. And when that doesn't happen, we get angry at God and we get bitter and we reason this promise of healing and we don't have much merit to it. I knew a guy years ago. His son was in his 30s and he tragically came down with cancer. Cancer, is, I, I hate cancer. It impacted his body and he underwent the treatments, but his son still died. And this man had the church praying and his family praying and his friends praying and his son didn't make it. And for years, he blamed Christians, not God, Christians who didn't pray with enough faith, as he said, to heal his son. Here's the hard truth, guys, to accept. And again, I think it's in large part because of the culture we're living in for so long. It's this, that suffering and loss are going to happen. It's a part of living in a fallen world tainted with sin. You can't escape it. And it's difficult to grasp the fact that sometimes God heals in this life and sometimes God doesn't. But why is that? Well, because there is a, there's a tension in place here in Scripture, a tension between the already but the not yet. And, and that theme already but not yet is found all throughout God's Word. Like many other tensions in, in God's Word, there's a reason for the tension. If you go too far in one direction or the other, you actually do more harm than good. If you go too much into the already direction, you, you, you focus too much on this life. And if you go too much in the not yet direction, you're so eternally minded, you're no earthly good, as the saying goes. You've got to walk in balance between the two tensions. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God, right? 
eternity. And in the New Testament, we get this picture of the kingdom of God being, again, ready for it, already, but, but not yet. It's already because when you become a Christian, you know, when you surrender your life to Christ, you become part of God's kingdom. You're able to live in the promises that God you know, brings, including healing. We have a promise to be healed because of the blood that Christ shed, which also means we're able to pray for folks healing and receive healing through God's spirit and that power that flows through us, the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, think about it. We can heal because who healed? Well, Jesus healed. The apostles healed. Okay. In fact, there's a point in, in, in ministry that Christ is uh, sending his followers out to different villages. And he's empowering them to heal the sick. Later, he's going to speak to these guys. and He's going to tell them, anyone who believes in me is going to do greater works than what I've done. And what we see in the book of Acts and the early church is the same kind of thing. They're healing people just like Christ did. Jesus' healing for us, it's already because we're empowered by God's Spirit to pray for healing and for others to receive healing. And we can walk and live in that healing in this life right now. Now that healing also is available to us through forgiveness as well. Do you know that? There's a story uh, in Christ's ministry about a paralyzed man whose friends removed the ceiling tiles of a house. They lower him down in front of Jesus, which I'm sure freaked everybody out, because they couldn't squeeze in through the crowd that had gathered. And I want you to listen to what Jesus says. Check this out in Luke chapter 5, verse number 20, okay? Seeing their faith, Jesus said to them, young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Now, Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? But so you know, the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He turned to the paralyzed man and he says, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. I love that. Jesus heals this man by doing what? By forgiving him of his sins. And it's a topic which is very contentious in the story because only God has that power. That's right. Jesus is fully God and fully man. He had the authority because he's divine. But this tells me too, there's sometimes a connection between forgiveness and healing. And that's why Isaiah includes healing in our passage along with forgiveness of sins. Healing and forgiveness, they go hand in hand. When you're forgiven, you're what? You're restored spiritually, correct? When you're healed, you're restored physically, mentally, emotionally. Restoring people was part of Christ's mission. Healing is available for you today because Jesus' mission was to die for our forgiveness and healing, and it's been completed. His blood has been shed, and we have access to spiritual and physical healing that's readily available in our lives today. That is the already part, but there's a not yet part at play too. What happens when you pray for healing and nothing happens? Is God's promise for healing broken? No, it just means the healing is not yet. Here's the not yet portion, all right? God doesn't see things in a compartmentalized way like we do, okay? So we view life and eternity as completely separate. We see things as they are now in the present, as they were in the past, and for what we hope they'll be in the future. God sees everything all at once. There's no past, present, or future for God. He sees it all. He exists really outside of time. There's, 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 there's not a distinction between life and eternity for God. He operates and sees everything all at once as connected. We don't have that ability, okay? And so 
we can't exist in eternity and in this life simultaneously as God can. And so we lose a loved one. When healing doesn't happen, there's a separation that's temporary in this life. And it grieves us and it brings us pain. And, and we get angry sometimes, right? We might even say, God, didn't you, didn't you heal this person uh, over there? How come you didn't heal my, my spouse or my kid? You know, where are you at? And the moment that that individual leaves this life, you know, here's the thing. They're healed in God's presence. We just don't see that or recognize it. But that's what God promises in eternity. No pain, no sorrow, a perfected, glorified state for us to live in. This is the not yet part of God's kingdom. It's the not yet part of the kingdom that exists with completeness and wholeness and healing. I want you to listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. Check this out. He says, For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And, and we believers, we also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. Right? We're in the present, already, but not yet. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us full rights as his adopted kids, including the new bodies he's promised for us. What is Paul talking about? Is it, is it this present life? No. He's speaking to a state of eternity, the not yet portion of God's kingdom. We long for that perfected state, right? And we'll experience it fully in heaven, but we won't do it right here on planet Earth, okay? We don't have immortal bodies right now. It doesn't happen inside of heaven. We receive that when we enter into eternity, when we're healed in our body, soul, and mind once and for all. There's no more death, no more pain, no more sorrow. There's ultimate healing in God's presence. So don't lose heart in those moments that God chooses not to heal this side of heaven. Don't get angry. Don't get bitter. We have this promise of healing as a result of Christ's blood. It may come in the already, or it may come in the not yet, but it's going to come nonetheless, no matter what. So if you're in need of healing today, I want you to remember that Christ shed his blood so you could be healed. And I want you to hold on to important passages like, like this one right here in Psalm 103. He forgives all my sins and he heals my diseases. Or Jeremiah 30, 17. I'll give you back your health and heal your wounds, says the Lord. This is made for the people of Israel at the time. But look, if God can give their health back in, in, in that day and heal their wounds, he can do it for you too, right? Well, how about this one? James 5, 14. Are any of you sick? Well, then call the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, here's the connection again, right? You will be forgiven. Pray for healing today. Pray that God touches your life, heals your body. Pray that he brings healing to the person you care so deeply about. Pray that he alleviates suffering. Stand strong on the truth that Christ was wounded for our healing today. But I want to strongly encourage you to accept God's own timing in his place for healing. It's already, but not yet. Your healing may already be in the works and you experience a miracle on this side of heaven, which is really awesome if you do. But if not, your healing is coming. It's just in the not yet part. Not until you enter God's presence forever. Christ was wounded to set us free, and he was wounded so you could be healed. So whether it's in this life, whether it's in eternity, ultimate healing, ultimate completeness, and wellness and wholeness can be yours today. 
I want to pray for you, if I can, for those of you who are in need of God's touch or in need of God's healing, whether it's mental or emotional, physical, it doesn't matter. And we got a loved one, you need the Lord to touch their lives and heal them as well. Hey, we're going to pray in faith that God will heal you or heal them. We're also going to have the faith that, hey, if it's, if, if it's not God's you know, timing right now, that we believe and trust that, hey, on the other side, there is, there's ultimate healing there too. Or it's appointed for man to die, right? We're all going to appear before the Lord. We're all going to go through death. Uh, we're just hoping and praying for a miracle on this side of heaven, which, yeah, hey, every, every miracle we receive shows God's glory, shows who God is, which is powerful. But we're also going to accept the fact that, hey, if God chooses to heal on the other side, Though we have temporary pain, though we have temporary grief, we're going to accept that as well. So let's just pray together right now if we can. Father, I, I thank you for those who are watching and listening right now. Perhaps they have issues they're struggling with. They have some things they're going through, mental, emotional, physical needs, God, they have. They need healing in their lives. And I pray, Lord, that healing will be theirs. I, I pray the blood of Jesus over their lives. We know the blood was shed so we can be healed for our sins, but we know the blood was shed so we can be uh, also heal from our diseases and our and our sicknesses and our all types of things that we're struggling with here god and I, I just pray for ultimate healing in people today god that you would touch them and with a miracle god you will again show and display your glory and who you are and draw people to yourself what a great story that is and we can share with people how we've been healed and touched by you but also know lord that you're sovereign which means you're in control which means you have appointed times which means god you have some things that you're doing that we don't understand and so you may choose to heal someone in your kingdom in an eternal state. And God, if that's the case, I pray that we have a peace about that. I pray, Lord, that we accept that. And I pray, God, that that, 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 that temporary grief and pain we go through, Lord, that you would help us to go through that, God, with your spirit right by our side, that you would turn the mourning into joy as we remember and recognize that, hey, that loved one's with you forever, God, they're with you in eternity. And Lord, I pray that through all of this, too, that we also develop... Um, you know, a, a, a great uh, concept of suffering in this life. We, we, don't, we don't suffer very well. We don't deal with hardship very well. And so I, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would equip us with peace and equip us, God, with, with, with faithfulness and joy in those moments of suffering that we endure and we encounter and go through so that, God, we can make it, so that, God, we can remember that, hey, even though there's suffering here and there's pain here, we know there's a Savior who shed His blood so we could be healed. And healing is promised to us one way or the other in this life or in eternity. Either way, we're going to get access to it because of what Jesus did for us. And we're going to stand on that promise and we're going to live and walk in that promise here today. So God, I, I pray for that for those who are watching and listening here as well. We thank you for who you are, for what you're going to do in our lives. We thank you for your son who came and died for us so we could be forgiven. We could also be healed. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.